So I read something recently. It's like, you know, the only thing that's true is the present moment. And that's something that I've been embracing, right? Because truth is only right now. Everything else is a memory. And the future is just a projection of what we're worried about or thinking it's going to be. And so this moment that we're having right now is the only true moment that we'll ever have in our life until the next moment of presence comes. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry, and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a clear-headed podcast. Today's conversation is with Hilary Phelps, and it is so good. Hillary is a woman in long-term sobriety, a recovery advocate, a speaker, and holistic coach. And we dive into everything. What is holistic sobriety? What are some tools that she uses? I swear you will leave this conversation with so many incredible new resources and tools, books, apps to put into your sober care routine. Let's get started. I want to start with the same way I start every combo, which is if you can kind of time travel with me um, back to when you started realizing that alcohol was no longer serving you, what were those moments or moment of clarity like? So for me, I uh, I was always a blackout drinker. So anytime I started drinking alcohol, I would forget what happened, you know. And so those moments started to feel really scary when I was um, 25, 26, 27. You know, I started getting older. And in college, I could kind of, you know, brush it away and say, well, I'm in college. And that's just what you do in college. And that's how it's supposed to be. And um, once I got older and, or, you know, got out into like the real world and started working, those things started to feel really scary. And I lived in um, in Washington, D.C. in DuPont Circle in 07. And it was the, so every year they have this gay pride parade outside and there's lots of noise and it's exciting and people are happy to be there. And I was detoxing from a night out um, and I had called, I was checking into recover into um into out, outpatient on Monday. And they had said to me, they're like, can you not drink this weekend? I was like, okay. And I'm like, not a chance. Like, there's no way, like I'm going out hard. Like if this could be my last hurrah. And so I went out, you know, I mean, hard on Friday night and I was laying in bed on Saturday and this pride parade was going on and people were so happy and they were laughing and it was loud and people were celebrating. And I had this moment of surprising clarity. And I was like, people out there are living their life. And I'm at a point where I'm letting it pass me by. Like I'm not enjoying moments. I'm not making memories. I'm just existing in this space of emptiness and sadness. And it was something I'd never had before. You know, I'd already called rehab. Like I'd already made the the choice to attempt sobriety. Um, but that moment was a real, like a real defining moment. And looking back, I can still remember just how despondent and sad I felt in that moment of realizing that I wasn't living my life. What a unique layered moment. I think, um, Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that because 
So often I think the idea of a moment of clarity is like the moment of clarity and then I called the rehab or and then I went to a meeting and then I admitted that I had a problem. But it can come whenever it needs to come. It doesn't have to fit this certain mold. At the same time, I think, or I guess I should ask, do you think that having that newfound clarity helped you go into your recovery program and into this new phase, like stronger with a different perspective? I think so. I mean, I checked, you know, I called rehab because I was in a relationship and I was told, you know, because I had kind of hidden it from, or I thought I was hiding it successfully from a lot of people, but in this relationship, um, you know, he'd said, he's like, if you don't get help, I'm going to tell your family how bad it is. And it had gotten really bad. And I still wanted to protect some parts of my drinking. I still wanted to keep it. And um, something about being exposed felt really shameful. And so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. I'll just check into rehab and like, maybe it'll work, maybe not, but I'm going to get this guy off my back. I can break up with him. Like it's done, you know, and I'll check in, I'll do it. And then we'll see where it goes. Um, when I went to rehab, I wasn't totally sure it would would stick. Um, but I had that moment, you know, two days before I checked in to, to treatment and then, um, during treatment, I really needed, like, for me, I needed to be held accountable a little bit, you know, and, and that yeah. is what, that's something else that also really helped me. Um, because I could convince myself of anything. I could talk myself into anything. I could talk myself out of anything, you know, I mean, the, yeah. the mind of, totally. of an addict is pretty powerful. And so, um, for me, that was something that was really helpful. I appreciate you yeah. saying that and pointing that out because clarity is like evolving and the old saying like hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can look back and you can see all of these moments that were like so impactful. But as you're present in those moments, I think that they're just as heavy or light as they're meant to be. And then if you just keep the course keep on the course, keep going, keep moving forward, even if that's like a salsa down the road of recovery, you know, one step forward, two steps back, Mm -hmm. cha-cha-cha, like you can still, right? You can still get these juicy, good, layered, heavy, in the best way, moments of clarity as long as you just keep down the road. So that's that's a great insight that as you got things like being held accountable or – you know, I'm sure now, congratulations, 16 years, right? In, in June. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure now to you, it seems more factual than anything. Do you, well, do you think that that's true? Is it, is it fact? Is it? I thought it was until you just said that and I started crying. (laughs) That like, Yes. Right. So in the beginning, it was, it was like, oh my gosh, I've been a year. Oh my gosh, five years. Wow. 10 years. And at 15 years, that was the like kind of turning point. I drank for 15 years from the time I was 14 to 29. And then now this is like, this is the longest. So 16 years sober is longer than I spent drinking. And every once in a while, that moment will, of gratitude will pop into my life of this is an easier, softer way because I can forget what it was like. You're right. Like it can become very factual. It can be like matter of fact, well, this is what I did. I went to rehab and I went to treatment. And then the first year I did this and then I did that, but it's really hard. And, um, 
when you said that 16 years, like there was just something, just a moment of pure bliss and gratitude that showed up inside of me and just expressed itself through these tears. And so thank you for that. Cause it doesn't, it, sometimes you're right. It doesn't happen that often because it's been such a long time since my last drink. And I do practices and rituals that remind me of a better life. Um, so thank you for that. Uh. Thank you for that moment of gratitude. Thank you you for being present in it because it really is a you. It's you. You hold the power in it. I think being present is one of the challenges or muscles that I've been trying to work. And I think it's a muscle that anybody, anytime they stop relying on anything have to work to become more present because usually you're escaping with whatever it is. I mean, it could be chocolate cake. If you're not eating chocolate cake and that's your, you know, your, your escape, um, when you don't have it, you you start to, to spiral. So being present to accept those moments of gratitude, I think is so key. And thanks for being present with me for it. Um, Back to... Yeah, I read something recently. No, please, please. I read something recently. It's like, you know, the only thing that's true is the present moment. And that's something that I've been embracing, right? Because truth is only right now. Everything else is a memory. And the future Mm -hmm. is just a projection of what we're worried about or thinking it's going to be. And so this moment that we're having right now is the only true moment that we'll ever have in our life until the next moment of presence comes, you know? And so that's something that I've been trying to hold. And it's not always easy and I don't do it well all the time, but that's something that I try to, you know, constantly like right now I'm here with you and we're going to have an incredible conversation. And then, you know, whatever comes after that is coming after that. But I, um, that's been super helpful for me lately and like grounding in that moment of being present. We talked about that, like before we got in this call, yeah, kind of grounding and like, I am exactly, you know, the sayings that we have in, in 12 steps. It's like, you are where your feet are. Like mm-hmm. I am where my feet and that's it you know, but so often my brain goes somewhere else. And so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think, um, you know, for me, sometimes it can feel limiting to only have the present moment or to only focus on the present. Whereas if you leave the options of the past or the future, it's like more (laughs) options. Like I can go to different times. Um, How do you ever, or have you like navigated that at all? feeling like at any point being present. I mean, you know, I think I also read a quote where it was like reality is sobering. So being in the the reality and present and being sober through it, has that ever felt limiting to you? And if so, like what do you do to reframe or pivot to understand that it's not limiting, it's actually like very freeing? I think for me, and this is one of the reasons I drank is because of fear of missing out, you know, like, or fear of not being good enough or fear of fill in the blank. And so when I'm present, you know, I have a fear of missing out on something because if I'm here, then I can't be there, there and there. I can't, you know, and so whether it's like being on my phone or, or um, being on a phone call or like looking on social media or something like that, like that takes me away from the present moment. And makes me feel, I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm not missing anything, but I am missing anything because maybe I'm missing time with my son or maybe I'm missing time with a conversation with a girlfriend or something like that. So I think any time that we make a choice to either not be in the present moment, we're missing out on something. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I want to kind of pivot back to your 
16, now 16 years, but at 15 years, Mm -hmm. you decided to be vocal and tell your story of Mm -hmm. recovery and that evolution that you've had with alcohol. And what led to that choice? What was that moment of clarity like on, I want to share my story because it seems like that could be a heavy one. It was, you know, I, what I realized was, um, so 15 years, I was coming up on 15 years and I had never shared, there were still some friends. I live outside of Washington, DC and friends in my social circle, you know, that I'd made after I got sober, didn't really know. Um, they just knew I didn't drink and I never drank. And, um, just figured it was because I was healthy. You know, I did an Ironman in 2010. I'm certified in Pilates and yoga and I study, you know, different healing modalities. So like, she's just healthy. And so, um, you know, in that year I'd, I'd gotten a divorce, I moved, I launched a business. So all of these changes were happening. And, um, and I still felt like I was straddling this line of like pure open open authenticity because all these other things I was really open about, but I still held my sobriety pretty tight. And, you know, talk about these bubbles or these downloads. And, you know, after the pandemic, all these numbers came out about women, the increased number of women drinking, 300% increase in women drinking with kids, small kids at home. I mean, they were staggering. Um, And what I realized in a moment was that I didn't have the luxury to stay silent anymore. And if I still felt shame after 15 years since I'd had my last drink, I wanted to put my shoes, my feet in the shoes of women who had one week or who had one year or who were struggling to ask for help. Because look, I was just a wine drinker. And I've been told by people, your story is not that bad. You know, Mm. but the thing is with alcoholism, it doesn't discriminate. And some people's stories are really sensationalized and painful. And some people like me drank three bottles of two to three bottles of wine every night and blacked out. But that was enough for me. And that's a lot for a lot of other people. Yeah, of course. uh, (laughs) And so, you know, so for me, a friend um, had asked me to be on his podcast. He had a podcast that kind of sits at the intersection of sports and um, recovery we went to college together and I'd reached out to him. He was very public about his sobriety from the beginning. And I reached out to him when he shared and I said, Hey, I don't share openly, but if you ever need anything, you know, I have, I think it was six years at the time. I have six years. If I can be a resource, just let me know. And so he reached out right before 15 years and was like, Hey, I'd actually love to have you on the podcast. Would you ever consider sharing your story? Um, and it was like right place, right time. It, all of those things like culminated in the perfect moment. And I was like, sure. And he's terrified. And and look, like at the end of the day, like I want to be liked and I want to be loved and I want to be respected like humans. You know, we I think we all want to feel value. And I was so concerned that people weren't going to like me or they were going to judge me or they were going to think I was weak. And what I realized was that's the perception that that is around alcoholics and people with substance use disorder and women. Like it's not a decision, it's a disease. And so in that moment, I realized like if I could literally, if I could help one woman look in the mirror and say, I struggle. And I got a message right before I got on here from a woman that was like, I've been following your story because of you. I stopped drinking and started paying attention to myself. Thank you so much. Uh, and that's one of several. And it's not, I'm not saying like, yay me, but it's like, but women want to be heard and they want to look and they want to say like, okay, I hear, you know, I mean, just like being in a 12 step meeting, you identify with someone else's story. And I wanted to be I just wanted someone to say like, okay, she seems happy. <laughs> she seems kind of normal. <laughs> yes. Maybe I can stop drinking too, you know? <laughs> yes. Because uh, the it's... perception is that addicts and alcoholics are all like 
totally. not normal and weird or whatever. And it's like, we're not weird. <laughs> I know. Absolutely not. Absolutely. I'm so happy that you mentioned that because like the stereotype of that we've been like fed of you have to hit this huge rock bottom and everyone has to know about it and you got to crash a car or you got to get arrested or you have to ruin a relationship and all of those things can absolutely happen and then you get sober but all of those things don't have to happen until you get sober and that's like the pivotal moment that I think society and really the whole world I think is ready to hear and evolve their understanding of like what it means to either seek help, read a book, get curious, reevaluate the way that you move in a boo-soaked culture. And it starts with understanding that you don't have to be like that stereotype that you've, you've seen. And if you are, then that's okay too. It's absolutely okay to hit those major rock bottoms that we've seen, but I just, I think I just so identify and I think a lot of people do, specifically women, and although I don't have children, I do know the mommy wine culture and the the drink, the mommy PTA, and the, I've talked to so many women and just people in general um, who have children and that the alcohol-soaked, I don't know, parenting method or coping or something. And I think that your story and your example of like two to three bottles a night, I think it's more common than people understand. I think it's more excused um, than people want to admit. And I think that that keeps people stuck in the hamster wheel of trying to juggle something because they think it's not bad enough. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that, that, that you're like adding to this discussion on, on it. Thank you. And I agree. I mean, you know, all the numbers are out there too, about like to get really like technical and nerdy about it. Like all the, you know, the marketing dollars, I mean, it's geared towards women. We're taught that at the end of the day, if your children are stressing you out, you go home and pour a glass of wine or two, and that makes it better. Mm -hmm. And so you know, what I think things have taught us over the last couple of years is that maybe that's okay for some women and they can go back to work. And, you know, once things are starting to, you know, operate more normally and um, they cannot have that glass of wine a night, but for women like me and women, I do, I believe it's a gene. I believe it's a disease. I believe it's switched on through epigenetics and our culture and everything else that for those like me that can't stop after one glass of wine. I mean, I tried to quit after one glass of wine and it was, it was physically painful. Like I can't. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you're at a mommy wine group or you're at a play date and you have two glasses of wine with the mom and everybody else and the moms and everybody else goes home. And then you go home and finish two more bottles. Like you can't stop and you don't want to, and it's harder them to go back to the group and say, Oh, I'm not drinking or, Hey, I can't stop when I get home or, you know, and that's, it's okay at that point to ask for help. It's okay at that point because look, like at the end of the day, I remember when I stopped drinking and I got sober, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do at my wedding? What am I, who goes to France and doesn't drink wine? Like, wait, how am I gonna celebrate anything? What am I gonna do at my birthday or New Year's uh-huh. Eve? Are you kidding me? Like all of these things, it was like this fear of what is my life gonna look like if I don't have it. And you know, what I realized was up until that point, it was the only thing I had. So I didn't know Mm. in life outside of that, you know, but that feels really scary. 
yes. to kind of give that up or say like, what do, what do you mean I have to drink sparkling water at dinner? And it's like, I don't know. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. The fear element I think is so like foundational. I think we keep Mm. drinking because we're scared. We don't stop because we're scared. And then I think ultimately like I think that fear can be healthy because I mean I stopped drinking because I was scared that I was going to continue to abandon myself. So fear being used in a way of like a tool I think is helpful but it's like also a very toxic weapon. And um, so in your time in this, you know, reading all the research and applying it to your own life and now speaking out and being public with your opinions, your thoughts, your methods, your guidance, what, what is like, what do you think is like the biggest takeaway that you've had through all of this? And like, how has it fueled your business in PR, in marketing, in content creation? Um, like what, what, what are your thoughts? I know that's kind of a big question. So sorry, but. So many, I know of like so many. So one, you know, in, in PR, I think it's important to show, you know, PR marketing, like the media, I think it's important to showcase women who are doing the work, right? Who are showing up, who are, you know, maybe had the struggles of alcohol behind them and who are now living life in a sober and beautiful way. Um, because when I walked into the 12 steps, you know, when I walked into sobriety and I got sober, I was like, my life is over. There is no fun to be had there, you know? And I remember someone told me once like, she looked at me and she's like, you're no fun anymore. And that was like a dagger because that was all I wanted to be. I know. Right. It was oh. fun. And so <laughs> but she was a drinker. Like she was in my group, you know, like the whole, and so, um, what I realized was, I think we need, you know, as many people who are comfortable as possible to talk about their struggles, because when you, we see people, whether it's in media or in movies or whatever it is that look like us that we can identify with, we feel less alone. One, mm-hmm. I think two, as women, we need to band together and love each other unconditionally and not step on each other. I mean, we're taught like as women that we need to abandon our appetites, right? So whether it's for um, um, success or sex or food or whatever it is, like we're taught that we're supposed to kind of shrink down and fit into this mold where I think as women, we need to take up space and say, this is who I am and it's okay. It is okay that I want to eat chocolate cake for dessert every night or whatever (laughs) that looks like. And that's my choice. It is okay if I want to talk about sex in a healthy way, or it is okay if I want to get ahead. It doesn't make me a a witch. You know what I mean? Like, I think we need to like own it, like own our space and love it and support other women and not tear each other down. And I think that's been one of the things that I've learned for me is the most successful is surrounding myself with other women who are supportive and loving and kind. And I just keep saying doing the work, like whether it's sober or whether it's just trying to be better people than we were yesterday, better people today than we were yesterday. Um, I think there's such a power and connection in sisterhood and women. And that has been my biggest takeaway. Um, because when I was drinking, I was not, a, I was not good and I was not kind and I wanted to fight women, you know, and that just mm. wasn't, which is, I just wasn't a nice, a nice person. And so I didn't surround myself with other women, but now that I, um, yeah, now that I have sobriety and like, and, and like unconditional love, I think that's something that's really important. Um, I also 
So PR is my day job. And then I also just went through a holistic coaching program so I could help other yes. women who are going through this. Let's talk about this. Edits. Because I, yeah. I, I, I know that you're so passionate about a, like about holistic sobriety and like, what does that mean? What does it look like? I'm in, how does it differ from (laughs) like a non-holistic approach to sobriety? Sure. So holistic is um, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. So it's kind of all those pieces of a pie chart that make up who we are, kind of like a functional medicine, like looking at the root of it. Like it's not just one thing. Like I'm not going to go out and run five miles and my life is going to be, you know, healed. (laughs) I also need to, I need to move my body. I need to meditate. I need to eat balanced foods and I need to stimulate my mind with positive conversations and intellectual, you know, reading. And so for me, it's a well-rounded approach. Um, when I was going through a big transition in my life, I worked with a holistic coach and she gave me, what she helped me realize was that the power and the answers are all inside of me. And that's true for all of us. And Mm -hmm. so she helped me, um, develop rituals and practices that were, I could find my own voice. I could use it. I could find my purpose. And what I wanted to do was give that to others. And so, you know, for me, it's not, it's not. You know, I say just, it's not just about one thing. It's about a series of things that help me feel the best me that I can feel on any given day. And for me, that's meditation. I went through this really beautiful, and I'm not sponsored by it, but I loved it so much that I tell everybody it's called Ziva Meditation. Do you know this? No, but I'm Z-I-V-A. writing it V-I-V-A. Okay. Emily Fletcher. I love it. So she's taught me, I meditate on planes without a phone. I meditate in the car when I'm early to pick up my son and it's done in a way. So she's created this program. She's like, it's meditation for busy people. And I tell you, it has changed the game for me in meditation. I love it. So I do that two times a day, Ziva meditation. Uh, And I love it. And I look forward to it because I feel good when I finish. Uh, It's amazing. And she, I can't say enough about it. Okay. Um, I'm obsessed. Going to do it today. (laughs) Yes. You have to let me know. Um, (laughs) I found movement that I enjoy. Like I was a competitive swimmer. I did an Ironman. I did all these things. And so for me, I used to think that physical fitness meant hurt and sweat and pain where I actually like Mm. to dance. So I do Tracy Anderson and I look so silly. (laughs) I'm not coordinated. I don't, but I don't care. I love it. And I feel really good. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't have to hurt. Like I don't like running. I realized I don't like running. And that was after I signed up for this ultra marathon. I was going to do a 50 K on my birthday this past year. And I signed up for it and I was training for it. I'm like, I actually don't like this. I'm doing this because I want to tell people that I did an ultra marathon. Like this is all ego. I'm not enjoying any of this process. And so Uh. I dropped it. I quit. And I was like, I'm going to do an hour of Tracy Anderson a day, or I'm going to do 15 minute walk with my son. And that's enough. And I'm okay with that. And it's like having those moments of like finding what brings me joy daily and also like fills my cup that makes me holistically well. You know, I do, I love ice cream, but I tend to eat pretty well. I have a smoothie in the morning. You know what I mean? Like it's just balance. Um, Yeah. And I like stimulating conversations and. I'm loving this definition of holistic because I think we hear holistic like everywhere, at least in California. I mean, I hear it. holistic doctor, like just so much stuff. And um, so thank you for defining that for me and giving me a good like idea of what it means. I'm obsessed that you allowed yourself to pull out of something that you had previously committed to because I think that 
that permission is so freaking necessary when you are sober. The permission and getting comfortable with being able to redefine what you like and what you don't is for me was so and is still so foundational in staying very clear on track, clear-headed, nice plug there, and uh, secure <laughs> in my in my choice to not drink. Um, have you had you always been comfortable with like changing what you were gonna do? Like, how did you get comfortable with that permission? Is it just no. trial and error? I mean, like, what's the method? Look, even today, I was. I just pulled out of a fundraising event. I mean, like it was part of a team. It was in 2024 and I was supposed to go to an event tomorrow night and I'm just, I'm just tapped out. And there's mm. a difference between like just not wanting to go versus this is harming me. Meaning like I right. could be better served just having self-care by myself. And so, and I felt bad. I was like, I feel so bad. They're not going to like me. And I was like, this is, this is stressing me out. Every time I get an email, I'm stressed out about it. And every time that, and I was like, I just need to say, hey, I respectfully need to withdraw my, you know, mm-hmm. I hope you understand. I'll be supporting you from afar. Like, please. And he's like, totally understand. Thanks for being honest. And it's like just being honest. And and no, I'm not. And But so often I find myself at a point of full saturation where I'm like, <laughs> I mean, this morning I had a downward spiral. I was like circling. I say circling the drain. Like I was just <laughs> overloaded and just overwhelmed. And I was like, why do I need to get to this point to, you know, mm. to make a change? But I got, to, and I was like, okay, what do I need to do? And I took a mid-morning bath mm. with tons of Epsom salt. I was like, I need to not shame myself. I just need to give myself love. So I took an Epsom salt bath. Um, I made a breakfast and I ate by myself without the TV on or my phone. Like I did those things. I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel better. And so it's like giving myself that grace of love and grace and love versus that shame of no, you need to push through and you need to be better than this. And you're 45 and you have 16 years of sobriety. What's wrong with you? And it's like, it's okay. I'm going to yes. reset. And now I feel fine and I feel great. Um, and I went through and I emailed and I was like, you know what? I just can't make it. Thank you so much. I I hope it's a great, and you know what? People don't really care. No. It's like a, it's like the story I tell myself. Like, they're not really, you know, it's going to be fine. Totally. The fundraiser is going to be great. Their event tomorrow night is going to be fantastic. She's going to have a great time. And I'm going to get to be home like watching and just like that or something mm-hmm. that fills up my cup that just like, cause I just need to disconnect them. Yes. But it's a, it's, it's been a practice. It's a practice. It's I hard. really, I, I love that you said there's a difference between um, just not wanting to do something and then choosing to not do something because it's going to cause you like harm or stress or whatever. And I think that's good to prioritize. I'm going to work on applying that when I'm thinking about, you know, backing out of something or feeling guilty or starting to shame myself because you're it's true it's like and I think it's on your website too like shame hides or something like recovery hides in shame or recover in the light yes Mm -hmm. and it's so true and I don't want to stay in the dark and shameful just because I don't want to go to a party that I feel like I might be triggered by like yes that's okay to not do that Okay. And something that I've done that I share with a lot of women that's been super helpful to me. And when I find myself at a moment of indecision or like need clarity, I will just sit by myself, turn everything off, close my eyes. And I say, go inward. And what I mean is I just sit there and I say, what do you need? Mm. What do you need? 
what do you need? And I say it over and over and over in my head, out loud, whatever feels right in that moment. And I keep saying it and I, and I will repeat it until something comes through. Sometimes I'll burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, I really need to go be with other people. I just don't want, I mean, it'll always come through. So those answers are always inside and they come forward if I can just give myself space and time to just get still. But we're so busy. I'm so busy, right? I'm on my phone and I'm so driving here and I'm doing carpool and I'm picking up for baseball. Like we're all busy. And so just giving ourselves that five minutes to say like, what do I really need right now? Do I need to call my mom? Do I need to check in with my sister? Do I need to call a girlfriend? Like, what is it? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to cry? Do I need to take a bath? Do I need Mm -hmm. to take a nap? Like what is it? And the answers will always come. I have found for me, they've always come through with what I need versus what I want. That is a great tip. I know that stillness will show all if you can just sit freaking still. (laughs) You could just get there. Um, I have so enjoyed this conversation. I know we just touched on so many different tools and rituals that you use every day, but I want to end this conversation with if you could just tell me one thing currently in your sober care routine, what is that thing? Mm-hmm. Um, bats have been really bats are transformative for me. I'm a Pisces sun, Cancer moon, Scorpio rising. I am all water, and so for me, like <laughs> it's taken me 45 years to realize this, and 20 years of swimming competitively that water is my safe space. And oh my gosh, and so, that's hilarious! Right? Yes. So bats are really important. Um, and meditation, and I think grace. Like mm-hmm. so giving myself grace to just be a human on some days and um, and know that I, like it's okay. And I know you asked about a book and I tell everyone about this book, Change Your Paradigm, Change Your Life by Bob Proctor. Oh, I love Bob you know Proctor. It? I don't know the book, but I love Bob Proctor. Um, ordering it right now. That's amazing. I have okay. it on Audible. I listen to it like 10 times. I just keep listening to it. And every time it's kind of like, for me, it's walking into a 12-step meeting. It's like you hear something different every time because mm. we're changed every day. We're a different person that shows up. So every time I listen to it, I'm like, ooh, that was really good. And I can take that little piece of advice that he gives. And that's something that's been profoundly impactful over the last couple of years for me. Amazing. Yeah. Well- Thank you so much for your time, your story, your energy, and all of these insane resources. Like I'm doing Ziva. I'm going to go do Tracy Anderson. I'm ordering the book. Like I am like leaving this conversation with so many good things to add to my sober care routine. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to hear your, um, your feedback on the meditation and Tracy Anderson and book and all the good things. You'll get it. You'll get it. (laughs) For more guidance on building your sober care routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at (laughs) clearheaded.co.